What's up, everybody? It's Chad from Ask Chad Grassy Logic again with another episode this week. I am here with my friend Haley Grant. Um, she's an attorney here in New Mexico, but I'll let her introduce herself here in a minute. Um, we're going to be having an episode today called Birthday Hookups and Sesh, or The Sesh. Um, I'm going to give you guys some updates, of course, on the legislative session. And um, it was my birthday this past week on Tuesday. So I want to tell you guys on the birthday hookups that the dispensary gives you and the ones they used to give you. So without further ado, Haley, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. As I said, uh, I'm Haley Grant, and I'm from uh, Mina Martina Springer. I'm an attorney here in Las Cruces. Um, and just before we kind of get into things here, the thing that makes my malpractice carrier warm and fuzzy is when I give disclaimers like this one, which Please. is everything that I present today is purely for educational purposes. I'm not giving any legal advice, and I'm not a tax attorney. I'm also not providing any tax advice or anything like that. So take it as, as it comes. I kind of feel like we should have had like that dude to say it really fast at the beginning. Oh, no, if no only I could talk that fast. Oh, me too, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, it's great. You know, I've known you for about like a year now or so. And you've been, you know, actually a lot of people know you in the cannabis industry now. You know, a lot of newer people that I've met, they know who you are. Uh, so you've been doing, you know, leaps and strides in the industry. You know, and it's a great service that you do provide. And a lot of people kind of overlook, you know, there's a few things that people overlook. They overlook security and they overlook um, lawyers. And, you know, those are the two things that are going to bite you in the butt, man, uh, you know, if you have a lack of those. So it's great that, you know, we have someone like you that's willing to say, hey, yeah, I'll work with the Candace people. Heck yeah. Um, so it's great to have that perspective, too, because even during the pre-show, you're giving me perspectives I didn't even think of, you know, because you have that lawyer thought process. Kind of like, I guess, when I go in the grow um, or when someone talks about a plant, I'm like, I can grow it like this. OK, yeah. You know, or something different. So it's really cool to see that. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you being on the show and, um, without further ado, let's, let's get onto the show and everything. So let's talk about birthday hookups. When is your birthday, Haley? It's October 22nd. Oh shoot. So it just came, it kind of passed. Did yeah. Uh, it's not freaking long, long way, but <laughs> that's what it is. So. All right. Well, well happy, very belated birthday. Okay. Did you go to any dispensaries or anything for it like that at all? Or, you know, I didn't. Oh, you know why? Cause I was at Lucky Leaf. Oh, uh, okay. Well, yeah, you can smoke that anyway. Yeah, I was that. yeah, that's why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, in, in New Mexico, I'm sure you know, on your birthday, a lot of dispensaries will give you like a birthday gift. And the way it used to be is totally different than the way it is right now. The way it is right now is they have to charge you something, either a penny or whatever. They can't just give you something for free. Um, and that actually changed um, a little bit on the medical side. And it wasn't like super, super enforced, but they didn't like it. And it was a part of the law. I can't remember on the top of my head what year it was changed, but it wasn't that long ago that they actually changed it um, in the medical industry side anyway. So what you do is you go around, you tell them it's your birthday, and some places will give you $5 off. Some of them, it's like if you buy something from us, we'll give you one penny pre-roll. Um, some of them will give you a half gram pre-roll. And all these include you have to buy something. You know, you can't just go in. Because I'll go into the way it used to be. The way it used to be was you'd walk in, tell them it's my birthday, and they would just hand you a doobie. Or they would hand you a gram for free or hand you an edible for free. And you can do that at every shop you go to. So there was people that would literally show up with like two ounces of just free weed that they got from all the dispensaries. Mm -hmm. And the DOH didn't like that. So did you ever get a chance to like experience that at all? Or No, I, I haven't yet. So no, not that's not come up in my practice. And personally, I haven't run into it yet. So <laughs> either, so. Well, I mean, everybody's kind of abiding by that whole penny thing now. So yeah, um, they're not giving free weed away anymore. Um, even a dude who like did try to give me a free weed away, he just had me give him a penny. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll give you a dude, give me a penny. <laughs> Margin in the system, you're good yeah. to go, right? This is the way it goes. So if it's your birthday, go around to dispensaries. Give them a call. If you don't want to like go around, waste your gas, give them a call. See what they offer. Uh, a couple places I did call. 
Um, cause I did call, I called around a few places, didn't offer anything. And like, I guess it never dawned on them. And they're like, Oh, that's actually a really good idea. And I was like, all right. So, you know, maybe they'll, they'll add that at some point. Um, so if it's your birthday, I mean, I know a lot of people actually have their birthday in February. I, it's the weirdest like phenomenon I've known since I was a kid. Like most of my family, our birthdays are in February. Like my older sister, my cousins, like it's weird. And there's like eight mm-hmm. birthdays, like all in this month for my family. It's so strange. And so, yeah, if it's your birthday and everything, guys, do it. So the reason why this changed um, was the DOH just didn't like it. And I think legislature actually passed something. Uh, I want to say 2018 is what I want to say is when it really, really officially changed. And then from then on, they couldn't like give birthday giveaways. Because there was actually, it was so common that, um, I'll, I'll say her name, Tiffany Watowski. I hope I said your name right. She was one of the advocates with us. She made a list. She had a whole like spreadsheet of every dispensary, what they give and what the hookup that they give you, like what it is. And like yeah. people would ask for it all of the time. Well, I remember at Dink Times, they used to have a listing yeah. uh, of, of everywhere you could go to get it. And, then, yeah. uh, and I, that wasn't even that long ago. It was maybe like six months ago. So I think some were just operating sort of under the radar. But Probably. But I mean, yeah. a penny's is, is free. So you know, yeah, just yeah. A, a hoop you have to jump through, I guess. Yeah, it's just another you know, bureaucracy. <laughs> just another hoop we got to go uh, to jump through. You're right. So yeah, guys, that's that's pretty much for the birthday stuff. Um, I'm not going to tell you individual places to go to. Um, that's going to be up to you to figure it out. Some people don't live in Las Cruces, so that wouldn't work anyway. <laughs> so um, just give a call if you, you have your favorite place that you go to all the time. Just ask them. I mean, even if it's not your birthday, your birthday is going to come around at some point within the year. So you know, it's probably a good idea to ask them before you have to call them at some point. So at least you know. And then even if it is your birthday, still give them a call. Maybe they change their policy. Maybe they're given instead of a half gram pre-roll, it's a one gram pre-roll. And then it has to be with a certain amount of purchase. Because one guy said, if you spend six bucks here and then you get the penny pre-roll. So, you know, some places might add that. So I, I don't know. I mean, and, and to you, how do you feel like as a consumer yourself, not just as, you know, someone, but like as a consumer, like how does that make you feel like oh, I have to pay a penny, you know, for my present, but you know, is it like really that big of a deal or? Oh no, I don't think it's a big deal. In fact, for some of my clients, I'm like, no, I'll just pay for both because you know, cash flow for, for all kinds of operators right now is low. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'll, I'll give you the extra money. There's <laughs> <laughs> some tips too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've noticed that too, that, you know, the operators, they have been a little low. And I think it's because we've added so many dispensaries that, you know, the, the less places have less people to go to. Cause I went last month with, uh, with Tyler, one of the guys, you know, here at the Ask Chad Grassy Logic. Um, we went around and we we're talking to some of the businesses and we noticed it was like ghost towns. Like even some of the most busiest places in the city was dead. Like yeah. it was weird. I mean, I know one dispensary that's been killing it and they pull in like 12, 12, $1,500 a day. And really, which is good, but the, a lot of other dispensaries are much, much less than that. Sometimes they won't have anybody show up in the day. So it's, we're going to see some attrition here coming up soon, probably tax season, I would imagine, for those who can't hold on anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to happen. It's sad to say it in the industry, and especially in a new industry, this is going to happen. And, you know, it's good and bad. It's good because the industry gets to grow and you get to see who's going to stick around. You know, the people that have done it right, whatever this, whatever, whatever the reason is, they're here still. Um, and the people that are not, it just it weeds out things. And then, you know, we probably won't have as many dispensaries next year as we do this year. You know, I see quite a few, as you said, you know, shutting down come tax season because um, that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are in an area that can do it or that does it, go ahead. If not, 
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Ask your buddy who grows. Um, so yeah, that's about it for the birthday hookups. We're going to go down now and talk some about the bills. So that's what I mean with the session, the title. I want to, I want to update you guys, you know, about the legislative session, what's going on. Um, all the bills going through. There's a, there's a lot. I think there's 34 now, 35, like cannabis related bills or cannabis that's in the bill. Um, yeah, I don't even know the number, but yeah. just tracking them has been a task. It has. <laughs> Cause like, I don't remember all the titles of them. So when I see the number of total bills change, I'm like, I don't know which one's which. And so, yeah, it gets kind of kind of lengthy. But before Haley gets into her bills, she has she came in with a really good list of bills. It's a really good points, actually, that I didn't even think of in prior episodes that I feel is actually important. She thought it was going to be boring, but I don't think it will be. <laughs> a lot of people don't like the lawyer stuff and the law stuff. You know, I find it interesting. But this is some stuff that could help you guys in the long run um, and could keep you out of, you know, having to pay a lot of fees either to the state and lawyers at the same time. So um, the first bill I want to talk about is HB 493. It has to do with seed to sale. So what this does is it's having the state create a seed to sale system, meaning our, our bio track that we use right now would be no longer used and we would make something ourselves. Now, how do you feel about that? Like, what's your personal opinion on that? I mean, I know we just want to give... Well, yeah, it's pretty I, it could be great or it could be terrible. And I think that's dependent on a number of factors. Number one is how much is the legislature going to appropriate towards uh, whatever software development needs to happen? Who's going to be in charge of finding the software developer? And then who is that? What are their capabilities? Because this is not really something that I've seen done in a state before at this kind of scale. Um, and so, yeah, it depends on a lot. It's in it's in the statute right now, but I'd like to see how the regulations, if there are going to be some, what they would look like, and and who's going to be spearheading all that. So, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic at this point that at least the state is recognizing that there's an issue and doing something pretty drastic to address it. And I think that they're really listening to um, a lot of the. Uh, I guess the key actors in the business in terms of trying to improve the legislation. So it's a good first step, I think. No, yeah, it is. And I'm in the same boat with you, how I feel personally, how, however you guys feel is however you feel. Um, but personally, I feel it depends on who makes it, how much funds is being sent to it. Cause you know, if we get a hundred dollar app, then, you know, it's going to act like a hundred dollar app. Um, the, the company that's um, they're working with, uh, wait, no, that's for the UNM research one. Sorry. There's no company they're working with. We have a UNM research uh, thing to talk about later, and I mixed those two in with it, guys. So stay tuned for that one. That's actually really cool. Um, so for this one, whoever, whatever the company is that, that gets this contract, it's really going to depend on them, too. You know, maybe it's going to be a legislator's friend. I have no clue. I hope not. Well, <laughs> so, so for some background, uh, when the state – well, when they want to create a contract, they can't just say, I want to contract with you. It has to go through a bidding process. Yeah. So they prepare what's called a request for proposal um, and an invitation to bid so that different contractors in different places will, will prepare a proposal and submit that. And then the, the state will review it. Um, I'm not sure who would be reviewing it in, in this instance, if it's the CCD. Or, but it's, it's, it goes to like a process um, until it's approved. Um, so there are quite a few steps in that process and it can take some time. They've got to develop the parameters and there are some set parameters in terms of cost and locality, you know, local software developers will probably be preferred over others and different factors that they have to consider. So it has to go through kind of a somewhat lengthy process. And then once the state uh, decides who it's going to go with, then it goes through and, and executes the contract with them. Um, so 
and there's a lot to be ironed out before we even get to to that point so oh i mean i'm glad you've been dealing with contracts quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you know about the process and everything because i'm not too sure how that process of the contracts work you know everyone knows you know lowest bidder usually wins um especially when i was in the military you know we'd get equipment and the joke was oh lowest bidder won because it would be really crappy um so let's hope that's not the case um, let's hope it's a decent company that's doing it for a decent price that the government will go for um and let, let's just i guess wait you know that's all you can do really is wait and see i mean this is just a bill that was introduced it's not passed a law or anything yet um so we'll see um but i mean yeah that's all we can really say about it because it's a really short bill it's like what a page long yeah, no, it's it's really kind of just announcing what this software hopes to do, which is replace BioTrack. And you could really just re say that and that pretty much encapsulate what the purpose of the bill is going to be. So, But yeah. it's been what everybody hates BioTrack. That's been the uh, that's first or second on everybody's list in terms of what they've told me they want change. So they're listening. No, definitely. And I'm glad they're listening and they're, they're keeping the channels open because a lot of states in their industry they don't listen to the people in the industry they just change it without like hey guys how would this make it easier for you right, <laughs> you know exactly. like how would could you operate easier or why are we having an issue or we're having this issue why and then they can say well it's because of biotrack and this and this and this oh let's fix it right i did hear i can't remember who was telling me this but apparently duke rodriguez was involved in uh getting biotrack to come to new mexico and i guess you know i don't know whether this is true or not so i won't say who told me um uh, but he apparently uh, Ultra Health may have received some information from other uh, businesses, BioTrack, because they were involved so early on and before they had ironed things out. I don't know whether that's true or whether that was just like some technical glitch. So a lot of people are just generally uncomfortable with BioTrack and then the story of how it came here. And of course, it's also based on MS DOS, which was developed like <laughs> in the 1970s. Oh my God, MS DOS, yeah. I think we had a computer when I was a kid that had MS DOS on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, to play Wolfenstein, you had to do like D drive forward slash and like find it. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know. I never had to operate it that much and that at, at that scale, and so I have no clue. But yeah, it, it looks like it's it's a pain to work with. And everybody I've talked to, they call it Bio Trash. Like yeah. I, that's mm -hmm. it's like official nickname is Bio Trash. Yeah. So um, I think it's good because yeah, we we've had issues with Bio Track since we've been using it um, here in New Mexico. And I think it would be a good idea for us to maybe look at another avenue and hopefully we can create that avenue and it can be a, a great one. But, you know, time will tell. So moving on, speaking of bills, Haley brought in a really good list of bills. And I go ahead and just tell the people about all these cool bills, the little stuff that's in it. Some of these I've talked about, guys, but there's other stuff in it that I didn't mention before that she's going to touch on. And, you know, coming from the mind of a lawyer, you know, yeah. <laughs> she thinks a little different. Well, I think we wanted to start with uh, the cannabis nurseries, or should I say the absence of cannabis nurseries. So yes. in, in HB 313, which was originally, I guess, designed to add a, a license for cannabis nurseries, that's now been struck entirely, which, um, although my, my opinions do not reflect the opinions of my clients, um, I'm personally very happy about because I think that uh, getting a cannabis license is very expensive and um, if you just want to sell clones, you should be able to do that without having to be regulated and taxed and um, really uh, meet all the, the, the strict standards that everybody else in the business has to. So I think that's that's good. So that's no longer there. But um, there are a number of, of other uh, things that have been added to 313 that have to deal with enforcement okay. um, and disciplinary, uh, the disciplinary process. So 
before 313, um, if there was any kind of issue with somebody's licensure, that you would have to follow the processes in terms of like due process and challenging things that was provided under the Uniform Licensing Act. Okay. Um, that's now changed. They created a whole new um, format for how you can challenge um, a, a violation of the CCD, basically. So uh, for one thing, they can now suspend or revoke your license and or levy a $1,000 fine if they find a material false statement or that you've concealed a material fact in your application or permit. Oh. So basically what that means, a material false statement or a material fact is just means it's, it's a fact that matters, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, maybe you, you had your camera layout wrong and your premises diagram, something like that, that's not the kind of issue that they're looking for. They're looking for maybe you didn't identify a controlling person mm. or you don't have a camera system. You don't have a security system and you have uh, some kind something that's false in your application. Uh, so, you know, they might hit you with something like that. You will have a hear the right to a hearing, but the CCD can still suspend your license before the hearing without with or without notice, uh, you know, pending prosecution or, or in that public hearing. Um, so if you want to have that, if you want to raise that right, to, to your hearing, you have to request it before the action actually takes effect. So it's, um, and, and these hearings themselves are really for lawyers because okay. the rules of evidence apply, they have subpoena rights, there's a hearing officer. Mm. So it's it's kind of like a mini trial that they hold. And so if, if you're a lay person, it's gonna be very difficult for you to navigate something like that because you have to know how to admit exhibits and um, mm. authenticate documents and do all sorts of things that you need you would have to do in a trial because the rules of evidence apply. So, you know, with that in mind, I guess it, it's just another reason to get a lawyer, which is unfortunate, <laughs> you know, because I, I wouldn't, I have two minds about, about this, you yeah. know, because I mean, there's some people, you're, you, you misrepresent something intentionally you know, you should have to, to account for that. But of course, like I said earlier, this doesn't account for, um, you know, accidental errors and that kind of thing. Um, so that, that that's something else to consider. They've also added um, some provisions also in, in 313 um, for just general violations, right? So they, they, they do, of course, have the right to suspend or revoke your license. Um, and if you if they do revoke or suspend your license, you can appeal it to district court. But again, uh, that's another reason you have to go and get a lawyer, right? Um, another processes. <laughs> right. And they can suspend your, your license now if they find there's an imminent threat to public health, safety, or welfare, or there's a deliberate or willful, willful violation. So that's kind of two classes of, of ways that you can find yourself in trouble with the CCD. And I guess thinking about this as a lawyer, it, you know, what is imminent, what is an imminent threat and what is a threat to public health, safety or welfare? You know, some things like if you have bud rot in your pre-rolls that, you know, bud rot can send you to a hospital. Yeah, That's understandable. Really yeah. But it, it, the question is how, what kinds of threat is that, what threats is, is that, are those going to include? And then, of course, deliberate or willful violations. So I would imagine that's probably motivated by people bringing in cannabis from out of state and and generally uh you know, being non-compliant in ways that I guess this, the CCD probably thinks are, are uh, significant. But in other words, you know, really tighten up your compliance because if you get dinged, it could get expensive in terms of fines and having to hire a lawyer to defend you on all those things. Uh, but of course, insurance is always a problem. 
for cannabis. So it's likely you're going to have to pay for all that stuff out of pocket. So you might as well, if you can, start shopping for insurance to see if there's any possibility that that might get you coverage. It's funny. Last episode was about insurance. So, you know, guys get on that. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you're being told twice already to get some insurance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess the other thing in keeping with uh, cannabis that that's coming in from out of state, um, if if you're a business and you're unlicensed and you've been dealing in cannabis, um, then the the state can come in and um, claim your product. Under oh, the really? New Mexico Forfeiture Act. Yeah. Um, and th that act is is existed typically for um, you know drugs and other illicit, illicit types of of. Uh, um, products um but what that means is that you're that a uh, law enforcement can, can come and take your product um, and they can hold it and then a court has to enter an order uh, if there's a substantial probability that your that your cannabis is actually subject to forfeiture if they can if they figure out that it's not maybe tracked uh, through biotrack yeah. for instance um because that's a big thing, you know. Some people try oh, yeah. to skip that. <laughs> oh no, it, it's it's really huge. Yeah. Um, and then you know, if they, if they're worried that you're going to destroy the cannabis to try to 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 you know get rid of the evidence, if a court suspects that might happen, depending on the nature of the violation, then they might come back and and uh, also enter an order just taking it from you altogether. So. Oh wow. It's it's pretty pretty significant and like i said if law enforcement catches one they can just come in and they'll take your product so it's just something to, to keep an eye out for. and this is stemming from all the out-of-state cannabis right? I, I i suspect that it is uh, and that that's you know the example that really comes to mind right yeah. but um but otherwise you know there there's several other things happening i guess you know since we're talking about negative things i think we could talk about um there there's a new distribution for the excise tax um, so the one, the, the portion of the tax that goes to the counties, um, it's 33.33%, uh, that is now going to be distributed into two grant funds. Um, one is for, they call it the community reinvestment act or grant rather. Um, so that just goes towards schools, mm -hmm. uh, higher education and different, uh, county or even municipal grants so okay. that they can, um, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it's, there's a list of everything. It's education, it has to be cannabis education, substance oh, okay. abuse, um, and then there's all, all another grant that's that's similar for disorder prevention, and and some of it includes like uh, paying for halfway houses mm -hmm. for to treat substance abuse. So I think that's kind of cool. So there's cool. some there's some cool stuff in there. But um, other than that, and we talked about 365, right? Advertising the kids. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, if you want to talk about, it, we can talk about that. Well, I think you have more information. About that. <laughs> I'll, I'll weigh in. Yeah, yeah. So three six. Thank you for that. So three sixty five guys. Um, that was pretty much just a ban on like edibles and targeting kids what they want. So like, I don't think we'll, they'll want people or they'll be able to sell actual gummies in, like a bear, like in the shape of a bear anymore. And um, that's kind of significant for the industry because a lot of us are used to just these wacky little shapes and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, the Mike Tyson ear ones for a little bit. I don't know if they're still going or not. Um, which, <laughs> you had that. That one was hilarious. <laughs> if you guys don't know, back in the day, Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear. Not his whole ear off, a bit of chunk of it off. And the gummy itself was an ear with a little bit of the ear chunk off. <laughs> I don't know if that's geared towards children, but hey, I'd try it. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I'd be like, I'll eat that. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that, you know, who knows? Maybe lollipops, you know, even, you know, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Even lollipops and down to you, I, I don't know, Skittles. Like, um, 
the sour stripes, strips or stripes, whatever those. I love those. Oh, the straws. Yeah, the straws oh, and the yeah. stripes, the, the little. Bands oh, oh too. yeah, the flat ones. Okay, yeah, yeah, those are good. I mean, like, oh, yeah, I, I found them only a few those. places, but ah, we couldn't have those yeah. either. Or the yeah. ropes. <laughs> I mean, but you obviously like little. Uh, they'll have like fan leaf shaped ones. And, yeah. I mean, if I if I were if I were a business, I'd just get ahead of it by trying to stay away from from uh, those kinds of things anyways and or, you know they're because they're like different trademark lawsuits too on things that look like uh cheetos or different other major brands and so you don't want these other companies uh you know hassling you even though the products that they typically market to our children it's like just best to steer clear from all that stuff i have a feeling we're gonna see a bunch of dicks <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that's coming. You had to go there. <laughs> I had to go there. I have a feeling that's coming. Someone's going to do it, and I know it. I'm going to laugh, too, when I see it. I might buy it just because it's funny. It, it already exists. Somebody's <laughs> already made it. If you guys already have that existence in your shop, yep. you know, I'll, I'll check it out <laughs> because that's pretty funny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much what, you know, that part of the 364, um, just banning it. Uh, I'm not banning it, but, you know, banning stuff that, you know, like kids will think is candy and stuff like, and, you know, to be honest, they, they had that issue with pills, you know, being younger. I don't know if you remember all the dare stuff and like, this pill looks like a Skittle, but it's not a Skittle. This pill looks like this candy, but mm -hmm. it's not. And I, I think we're going to have to go through that period of parents need to parent. <laughs> you they know? do. They yeah. Do. And so, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I had for 364. Um, what are... I've got so they, there's another change uh, to the excise tax, okay. and it was originally HB 147, but then the Senate came in and, and it had a substitution, so it's now SB 147. Okay. Um, but if you know anything about the excise tax, it's assessed at the retail level. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but they've now changed that, and oh, they've changed it in an interesting sort of way, so they can avoid what's called tax pyramiding, where they have layers and layers of tax, so that uh, you know if, if you're the product is taxed at a lower rate. At, the earlier it is in the supply chain, right? Um, so now it's taxed based on the location. And I mean, real location, Whoa. like the address of the purchaser. Um, really? So it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty funky one. I don't know if it's going to stay in this form or not, but um, the way that it works is so if you're, let's say you're a wholesaler, right? So you're not going to do things on the re resell, re uh, retail side of things, but um, if you're at your own building, right, and the product comes to you there, you're in charge of, of paying the excise tax. But if if you're a retailer and your product's delivered from the grower to uh, the retailer, retailer pays the excise tax. So I don't know how they're going to track Weird. this. I mean, yeah. I don't know the discussions that went into this, and I'm not a tax attorney, so you know, I'm sure they have... Uh, some logic behind this, and I, I would hope that they're getting information from Tax and Rev, which I'm sure that they are. But yeah. that one's kind of interesting. So that is interesting. Uh, yeah, it seems confusing to me because right now it's just kind of a blanket thing. You know, we're just taxing it there, and that's it. So you got to worry about it. now. It's like, well, depending on you know where the dog sniffed its butt, and you know if that light's turning green right now, and yeah, you know that's yeah. We'll see if that sticks. You know, we'll see. Yeah, and I would imagine that. There's going to have to be for, for statutes. Sometimes the way statutes are written, there's there's some room for interpretation, right? In the regs, yeah. and so I wonder how 
because I bet there's got to be a fix. If, if it's passed this way, then tax and rev might have to go through and change the regs, which just makes it all that more much more complicated. But mm -hmm. we'll see how that actually all shakes out. But if the Senate, if the Senate came in and made and inserted this into the bill, then I, you know, it, it could make it could pass. But we'll see how if it makes it way its way to the House. But um, I guess the other thing is, and I, th this has come up recently, somebody was telling me they couldn't pay their employment taxes because they deal in, in cash, right? Yeah. So if you're dealing in cash and the tax and rev doesn't take cash, how are you supposed <laughs> to pay, right? Um, and so I think this is probably addressing, dealing with that kind of a fix because of just bank accounts, that they're just not really much of a thing in cannabis, right? Mm. Um so you now can renew your license if you're delinquent on your taxes, as long as it's not related to the excise tax or your gross receipts tax. So mm -hmm. like employment taxes, property taxes, other things, you can be delinquent on those things. And I'm sure a lot of people are because just of the cash flow problems at the moment, but you can still be licensed and you can still operate. Of course, that doesn't mean that necessarily that tax and rev isn't going to be angry at you and that you might have other obligations there and you might be delinquent. They go after you on that side of things but at least it doesn't get in the way of your, of your license yeah that's true and you know that's a lot of people you know kind of hate tax they don't want to think about taxes it's kind of confusing i mean especially when they do stuff like that <laughs> you know it can get confusing and you know sometimes it's like are they doing this on purpose like you know what the heck um so yeah and there's a few excise tax bills that i know are in session right now is this the one that's just the most uh predominant or yeah, that was one. I, you know, the other one that I talked about the distribution. That was really just the distribution on, on the state county yeah. side of things, but, which wasn't bad. I mean, I, I'm all for education, getting more funds. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's out there. And then you know, I, I think we talked about this a little bit ago. Uh, the embargo. So I guess we're going back here to what is this? Three one three. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. HB three one three. That's actually the big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah, 313, if you read 313, that it has the bulk of all the new information that's coming from cannabis, but it's also in line with uh, moving cannabis. If if the CCD discovers that... Uh, oh, this one's important. Yeah, that if they did, if they smell any evidence uh, of uh, diversion or any threat to public safety, if they have objective and reasonable grounds... Um, they can embargo the transport of cannabis, which means that they can stop you from uh, from moving your cannabis, and they can also uh, was it like yes, and they might destroy your product. That's that's the important part of it. Mm. And um, in if they do, you as the licensee are responsible for all the costs of dealing with the embargo and with the destruction of the cannabis. Oh, that sucks. So, that's another reason or another way that they're trying to crack down on, on um, out-of-state cannabis coming into the state, which is probably good because we we're not getting in the, the good product from out-of-state. We're getting the product that they don't want. And that's yeah. not necessarily the best or the healthiest product. So Yeah, because, you know, someone smoking, you know, powdery mildew, you know, or any kind of mold, you know, that could, mm -hmm. that could really harm them and send them to the hospital. And, you know, you, you don't want to do that, guys. I mean, if you're a producer and you're selling moldy bud, shame on you. You know, that's, that's not cool to do to people. Um, that's a, that's a health risk. I, I get it guys. You want to make your money and everything, but uh, people's lives are at risk. And when it comes to that, you know, that could really hurt somebody. So no, and I mean, it, there are ways, well, you know, I, I, I hesitate to speak when I'm not in the position of a retailer, you know, because I don't know some of the nitty gritty of what they do. Yeah. Like, that's just their job. 
Um, Some but, but there, you know, there are very strict testing guidelines in terms of you have to pull a sample from this part of each batch and, and it, it's strict for a reason, you know, so they can kind of pinpoint where there might be mold. But of course, uh, mold could also de develop in transport. So uh, there are a lot of moving factors in how, you know, bud rot might uh, show up in your pre-roll. And right now the, the testing requirements are still kind of lax. Okay. You know, that's one thing that we're kind of la like lacking in the state. And I was, it just came from a meeting. And the guy, he told me, he's like, yeah, you know, the state, you know, mold and all kinds of stuff, not really testing. You know, there's a lot of stuff's getting through it because of that. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Uh, so it's not really for pesticides. That, yeah. And that's, you know, we don't even know what kind of health effects that might have on people who are buying in dispensaries. I know people who won't buy from dispensaries because they're not testing for pesticides. And that's, you know, sometimes those are legitimate concerns. Yeah, it is. And another reason why this is happening is our lack of testing facilities in the state. Mm -hmm. like two and, you know, that's up in northern New Mexico. Here in the south, we're really starting to take off. And there's a lot more facilities and grows going right. on down there that we need it down here. So I think that's another reason why we're having that issue is because the biggest one is just the lack of testing facilities or places to get tested. Um, so once that changes, I think they're probably going to crack down more on it. Um, and hopefully they'll get a figure out on this uh, out-of-state cannabis stuff because, you know, it's been... It's been an issue since the, since April 1st of last year. You know, that's why we didn't run out of cannabis was the right. out-of-state cannabis. Um, it came from Oklahoma. It came from California. It came from Colorado. It came from Arizona. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you name it, it probably came from there. And so, yeah, I think that's a good thing, you know, crack down on it. And, and like you said, we're not getting the best, you know, we're, we're getting, you know, the schnickel fritz, you know, yeah, of all the cannabis. No, but I'm excited where cannabis is going to grow locally, you yeah. know, growing strains that work well for this environment because yes. I like outdoor best. So <laughs> just saying, but, you sun know, kissed. Sun kissed. yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree too. Um, you know, being a grower myself, you know, right, I, yeah. I'm in that same, same boat. So, yeah. But are there any other bills or anything you want to touch on? Um, well, you know, the, I guess the other part of, of 313, it's probably not the, you know, the sexiest part of the act, but um, it, because you, you can't uh, file for bankruptcy or federal bankruptcy if you're a cannabis business, right? Because it's mm -hmm. a schedule one traffic uh, substance or controlled substance. So um, I think the state has tried to create kind of a they created a schedule really for what happens when you dissolve your company if you dissolve okay. your company you've got to pay off these these different uh, debts and then it, it really just tracks what's in the new mexico corporations act mm -hmm. i won't bore you with that but basically pay your debts if you're a nonprofit, um you have to um distribute your assets to another nonprofit and then they oh. have different hybrid scenarios for what happens if you're going to like convert from a nonprofit to a for-profit and some uh, different other scenarios. But at the end of doing all that uh, and you're not a, a, a nonprofit, the money just goes back to your shareholders typically. So, um, you know, it's good, it's good to have, but uh, nothing too exciting. I, it's important information that's just boring. <laughs> it, it is. It happens. It's important. But yeah. yeah. I am excited about, it's not state legislation, it's the, the 2023 Farm Bill. Okay. Uh, it has to do with hemp. And um, is this on the federal or state side? It's on the federal side. Ah, so, so I don't know if you want to transition. No, I'd love to talk about all cannabis. I mean, this show's about cannabis. We focus on New Mexico, but if it's federal, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So the 2023 Farm Bill, just for some background, the, the 2018 Farm Bill was the first iteration of the Farm Bill that, that legalized hemp. Mm -hmm. um, the legalization came with a requirement that the dry weight uh, basis or dry weight amount of THC is less than 0.3%. Um, and so 
that's been really difficult for hemp farmers who grow product because you don't know what your percentages are going to be until your product's done. And yeah. then if you, if you turn out, if it turns out that you're above that percentage, you have to destroy your product. And then all you can use is like the, the stocks and the seeds or something, whatever doesn't have that amount and you can sell that amount, but it's, it's it really, um, you can take a huge loss on if, if you're trying to operate in that space. So many people don't. And it's fueled the black market. You know, like mm -hmm. hot hemp was a thing for a long time. I remember after that bill came out, a lot of people in, when we changed the law here in New Mexico for hemp farms, people were selling hot hemp like crazy. Because, you know, like certain areas of the state was just so hot, it would just pop hot and, you know, they couldn't sell it and do anything. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of helps, you know, some people, it's just going to be past the point because that's not hard to do. <laughs> Get past 0.3%. That's not hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. So, so the good thing about the 2023 farm bill is that, uh, and apparently the USDA is behind a lot of this, is uh, they're going to increase the threshold from 0.3% to 1%, which... I'm not a grower. You maybe know more about this. is a is a much easier mark to hit. So, yeah. um, and so they would also have a sub definition for industrial hemp that's grown for grain and fiber. So you know, like bags and you know, grain. I don't even know a hemp grain goes in, but I'm sure it goes into lot, lots of things. Yeah. Um, so grain and fiber versus like uh, you know CBD cigarettes and floral hemp that type of thing. Okay. Um, but basically, with that sub definition it would allow um, those kinds of uh, industrial uses to submit backup documentation proving that they were intending to get to be beneath this 1% threshold. And so they can produce like proof of where they got their genetics. There's something called a planting report that they send to the Federal Farm Services Agency, basically just saying like, look, we intended for this to be under the threshold. And because it's it's being used for the material more than it is for the intoxicating effect. Mm -hmm. I think the USDA recognizes that this is not something we need to regulate as highly. So that's that's one change there, which would be huge. Um, also for CBD distillates, um, when you go through the dist distilling process, right, the THC will go up. Yes. And so that that would be it makes it difficult to work with certainly a 0.3%, yeah. but 1% is also difficult to uh, USDA, or I think it's the National Hemp Association might be pushing for this one, um, but they're allowing uh, CBD distillate to be, to be over that 1% threshold as long as before it hits the shelves, you dilute it enough so that it's below that threshold. Okay. So it could be good. I don't know how they would dilute it. So that's something to think about. And, you know, anytime somebody says they're, they're diluting something in cannabis or THC, that, that always raises red flags. Yeah, maybe. yeah. But who knows how that's going to, that all is going to shake out. Um, the last two things on the farm bill is uh, they're removing the DEA certified testing. So there are very few DEA certified testing facilities, but that's the only place you could go to get your hemp tested. Um, so recognizing that there's this shortage and they're just you, you just can't move product around if you can't get it tested. Yeah. They're going to allow internationally certified labs to do, oh. uh, to do the testing. So hopefully all these changes make it into the final bill, but it looks like there's a pretty good support. Um, and then the last thing, and it probably mostly uh, important or exciting thing, is is applying the one percent threshold to all cannabinoids, not just industrial hemp. So that would be CBD flour. And I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've had flour that has like really low CBD or THC yeah. with like all kinds <clears throat> of uh, CBD cannabinoids. Yeah. It can be really, it's really has lots of health benefits. And so I think that's that's the goal there is to allow people to utilize benefits without. Uh, being penalized. So 
you know, hopefully this all comes to pass. And, and we were talking about this earlier, um, starting with uh, in in hemp can be a way for people to transition into cannabis eventually because you have banks, you have financing, you have USDA grants. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a way to develop the infrastructure and then maybe to convert it into something else. And of course, at that point, it, you would be federally legal. So you'd have to change things up and you wouldn't have all those resources. But I think that's a good way to kind of make your way into the market. And you said that you we're thinking about something like that, right? Yeah, maybe something. I mean, even if you do like a nursery, you know, you would still be considered hemp. Mm -hmm. And so you'd be open to those resources. So, you know, maybe I would do something like that one day. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's something great for people to really keep in mind. Federal bills, guys, you really want to keep an eye on those. Those kind of apply to every state. Um, and, you know, the farm bill, the 2018 one, you know, was a really good change. I'm thinking, you know, what if, and this is just a, a thought in the, in, the, the sky, in the sky with the stars, what if they add something in there that just legalizes cannabis altogether? You know, just sneak something in there. That'd be great. Yeah. I don't think see it happening, but, you know. The only thing, and it would be, it would have huge, uh, uh, huge repercussions in a good way uh, for cannabis is if they just descheduled cannabis <laughs> to Schedule 3 even. You know, yeah. Schedule 3, um, what is in Schedule 3? Uh, I think it's... Uh, MDMA in Schedule 3? Might be. I, I know Shrooms is, is a Schedule yeah. 1. But that is no, one. Psilocybin. But heroin's one, yeah. Um, I, can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head that are in that Schedule 3. But there, but Schedule 3 is basically, there's I think there's some health benefit to it, and but there's also still some risk of addiction. I think I that's think generally Vicodin's happens. in that one. Yeah, it's probably like pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think, yeah. I think it is. I haven't looked at the list in a long time. Um, I just mm -hmm. know cannabis is Schedule 1, and it doesn't belong there um like right now at the top of my head yeah. and so yeah if they removed it totally from you know the scheduling or just like you said to three that would help i'm afraid if it moves to three that the pharmaceutical companies would take full control um that would be my fear but i mean it would it would help out a lot you know? it is but you know a lot of these multi-state operators the huge ones like cure relief and other ones like that are already funded by pharmaceutical money i mean we've yeah. got ultra health that they're yeah, pharmaceutical so it's already happening it's just a matter of the, like there's this dichotomy of uh you have alcohol tobacco and pharmaceutical industry and they are already investing in cannabis yeah, especially right. in canada right now yeah and so they're yet they're also fighting to keep cannabis as a schedule one because i think they know it's coming and they there's only a certain uh, so long that they, they can prolong it but they are uh preparing to make sure that they have that foot in the door yeah. before, uh, you know, it's legalized. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot that's going to change once we do it and they see that and they're kind of trying to, I guess, stall it <laughs> for as long as they can. Cause yeah. the, the, the pharmaceutical companies are losing a lot of money from the recreational medical cannabis mm -hmm. throughout the States. It's a huge chunk coming from them and they see it and they know it. Um, I think they're just, yeah, trying to build up enough until they're like, all right, we're good. You're here, put it out. So, We'll see. And maybe they will. Maybe they will add that into the bill or something. Or, I don't know, maybe Biden will wake up one day and just schedule it. Who knows? Um, but uh, is that all you have for the bills and everything or for that bill I in general? I think so. I think, okay. yeah. Okay. So I actually wanted to touch on one more bill. And it was just something that was, and I've touched before, I talked about this, guys. It was when they were changing the definition in the Land and Air and Compassionate Use Act from uh, what a safety sensitive position is. And I've talked about it, you know, they're just pretty much removing or adding it to where it's, if you're carrying a gun, pretty much, you know, if you have a job, you're a cop, got to carry a gun, then, you know, you won't be protected by this. Um, 
the news stations are now reporting it as firefighters will be able to toke. <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Um, it is getting some headlines and it is a good change. I kind of feel that they should just let everybody use cannabis outside of work, you know, off hours, you know, when you're not working. Um, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. I mean, how do you feel about, you know, that change? I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable. I mean, although I, I, I definitely know people who can function on cannabis, mm -hmm. it, it's just too hard to determine who who has tolerance and who can, who can function. And for, for a job like that, you don't want to leave any gray area in terms of functionality. And then you have all, all kinds of liability lawsuits for people. If it turns out somebody was high on the job and, and uh, you know, they killed somebody, then yeah. that's that's going to be pretty problematic. So. I think I'm, I'm generally on board with it. Yeah, me too. You know, I, I like that. And, you know, the firefighter thing, you know, off duty, of course, you know, like that would be the best, you know, that's what they're pushing for. Um, so I, I think they should be able to use cannabis too. You know, like they go through a lot of shit, <laughs> you know, those guys, you know, they put their bodies through a lot of shit. You know, they, they see a lot of things, you know, they see things that I don't even want to see. Um, I mean, that, or things I haven't seen since Iraq, you know, yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, they see some pretty gnarly stuff. My cousin, he does it in Colorado and He's got some stories, poor guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, cannabis, you know, and it's not just for firefighters, guys. Like I said, this is for any job where you're not pretty much holding, carrying a gun. So, you know, it could be, you know, you work at the fire station, your secretary, and, you know, maybe you couldn't do that. Um, so, you know, stuff like that, you know, or any anybody, it just gives more protection to the patients because there's still a stigma. And, and then we still get discriminated against all the time just for having a cannabis card or even being in the community. So this just gives us more protection. I know in Alamogordo, one of my friends had an issue getting hired by the county or the city. She had a medical cannabis card and they told her, well, we don't know if you're going to be hired or not. And so hopefully this will help instances of that not happen as much. But I told her, I was like, stuff like that's probably just going to be handled by the court, dude. Like, you know, yeah. you just have to take them to court for that. I mean, but yeah, I mean, employers are not supposed to discriminate against uh, medical patients, right? Yeah. For just being, for testing positive, right? Yeah. Of course, that doesn't include getting high on the job but yeah. but yeah but it also depends on the job that you're doing like mm -hmm. you said so and it, and it does matter in certain instances yeah if you're doing my taxes probably i don't want you smoking weed while you're doing them but but you know that's something else it's that's small fries we're talking about you know cops with guns and that kind of thing yeah yeah you're talking about my money versus someone's actual life so yeah, yeah it's different i mean don't get me wrong i don't want to lose money but you also don't want to lose life sure. um so yeah you, you don't want to shoot the wrong person and that happens sober. So, you know, add something else to it and it probably makes it worse. So that's pretty much all I had for bills. Do you have anything else for bill wise? And if not, we'll move on to our last two topics. I think I'm all set. So cool. Yeah. Well, that was your guys' weekly legislative update. It was a long one, guys, but there was quite a bit that we had to talk about. And Haley gave some really good perspectives that I, I really enjoyed. So thank you for that. And some educational pieces for myself and thank you. for the public and everybody watching. So uh, moving on, we're going to talk about the Roth lawsuit or the Roth suit, as I called it last week. Um, they actually came out this week with a statement. Uh, I put it on my Instagram page so you guys can go read it, read it a few times, come up to your own conclusions. Um, but pretty much what it said was just clarifying from their point of view and from their side of what happened, um, the reason of this and that. The Raw Charity Foundation doesn't exist, but it was pretty much a blanket statement for all of the places they do donate to. And before the show, we were talking and you mentioned, yeah, you know, a lot of companies do that. And, you know, they do. And I agree. Just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but that marketing. Oh, that marketing power. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, if you guys want to see what, what he said, it's on his his page, on his Instagram, the, the rock and roll, whatever, um, on his Instagram. And it's on mine. If you follow me, just go read it. Um, I just want to touch base on that, let you guys know that they did make a public statement. Um, I'm not going to read it verbatim or try to say 
just give you a summary of pretty much what it was. Um, they did apologize for the packaging thing. You know, they did apologize for that and, you know, any other misleading stuff. But, you know, going forward, they're going to try to whatever, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, if you guys, again, if you like Raw, if you hate Raw, whatever, I'm probably going to continue to use Raw. It's the, one of the most available papers that you can find in the market. Um, and to me, it's just business, and that's the way it goes. I don't know about you. Do you are you still going to use Raw, or do you use Raw in the first place? I do. Okay. I, yeah, I switch around sometimes, but it's pretty pretty much Raw. Yeah, times. me too. And sometimes I just get given Raw. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. To you. No, I still have stuff from Lucky Leaf that I have around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> see? Yeah, yeah. Just, Throwing around, yeah. yeah. So um, that, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about for that. I mean, do you have any thoughts or anything about that no, statement? Or no, I mean, I, I'd be curious to see what that lawsuit was about because part of what they said in their statement was that uh, they sued—I don't know—was some other company for infringement. It wasn't very specific, and so I'd be curious to see uh, how that lo lawsuit actually shook out because they said they collected like a nine hundred and some thousand dollars in damages plus another. Uh, forty thousand dollars, something like that, in punitive damages. So I, when you get a like just a very brief overview of a lawsuit, that doesn't really tell you the story because there are procedural grounds for how a lawsuit could have resolved. And but you know when you win a lawsuit, uh, so sometimes companies try to tout it as, look, I was in the right, but then it was some other issue or some other thing that kind of got to, got to that point. So so they were wrong, but in the end, they still got some money. It's pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't even know the claims. That'll tell you True. what was what was brought. But certainly, when you win something, you want to tell everybody that you won. So. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we lost a lawsuit. We still won. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, thank you for that perspective too. You know, that's something that a lot of us don't really get to hear every day. You know, because you know we're not lawyers, and you know a lot of us in the cannabis industry, you know, don't really know any lawyers <laughs> unless we need one. Um, so yeah, I, I figured this would be. You know, something big to talk about, something the whole industry has been, you know, chatting about. You know, there's people who jump shit from wrong. I hate you forever. You know, ah, you guys are the devil. And, you know, um, sitting there downing sweets. But, you know, I just kind of felt like, you know, I needed to update you guys on pretty much what was said because, you know, I, I talked about it last week and, you know, it was pretty significant. You know, they're giving their their side of what happened. I like to say there's three stories to every, every well, three sides to every story, your side, their side, and the truth. And, you know, so they gave our side and, you know, you guys figure it out, come to your own conclusions and you guys figure out your own truth there. So that's it for the raw lawsuit or the raw suit. I want to talk about our last topic. This one's actually pretty cool because it came from New Mexico. Um, so UNM um, created, I guess they're claiming the first IDing um, structure for cannabis uh, and they use it chemically. Now, I remember Israel working on something similar, you know, about six or seven years ago, they were using straight terpenes, just the terpenes. Now, what UNM is doing is they're using terpenes and other cannabinoids, which is cool because you're not just relying on one thing to, you know, figure out what it is. You're relying on a few things. And they're working with a relief app. And I guess that's what they're using. I've heard about this app a long time ago. I'm not too keen on how it works or whatever. I just know about it. Um, and so what they're doing is they're trying to ID. And if you guys aren't, don't know, strains or cultivars of cannabis. And, you know, when you have Alaskan Thunderfuck or you have Blue Dream or you have, you know, um, Bubba Kush, those are the ones that they're trying to figure out because these days everything's so bastardized and hybridized that we don't know what it is. And, you know, there's, there's so many different phenos of the same strain and the, you know, the different seeds that it's really hard to tell. And so when you get into the nitty gritty, we just have no clue. We're really just making it up, you know, at this point. Some dude is smoking it, telling people how it makes him feel, and they're going off of that. 
<laughs> and so um, I think it's good that we're doing this. And it goes back to me saying that when you have legalization, you have innovation. You know, when you, you don't stagnate anything. Now we're getting this innovation, which could possibly be used for other industries, you know, not just the cannabis industry. You know, other ag industries may be able to use this in some way, or maybe it came from the ag industry because growing in the cannabis side, and working with more of the ag guys, I've learned that we were so far behind. I felt stupid because <laughs> we just weren't aware of certain things that they are, you know, right. because they have at free will all this stuff. And we had to hide it for so long, you know, like right. carbon filters and all that. So um, I think it's good. I mean, what's your thought on this? No, I think it's good, too. And I mean, I love talking to people about terpenes because people don't realize terpenes are in all kinds of things. They're yeah. not just in cannabis, you know, fruits and vegetables and a lot of like, uh, what was I thinking of like raspberry and different berries have carophyllene. And so, you know, you can go to different plant or different uh, plant and get the same thing you get in cannabis. And so yeah. I think it's an excellent way of, I mean, I don't know how the genetics works in terms of tracking and, and identifying on the uh, other agricultural side of things. I mean, patents and all those things, they track things that way. Yeah. But in terms of how they identify, I'm just not that, that kind of attorney <laughs> or an expert. Um, but, you know, it's good. Yeah, it's all good things. I'm, I'd be excited to see how that would be used here, you know, because we have such a dry, arid climate. There are mm -hmm. certain strains that work better here. And so, you know, with that kind of tracking, it would, it would be a good resource for people to know, like, okay, stay away from this, this particular cultivar because it's, it's very water heavy and it's not going to do well. Yeah. And you, you know, you have good bud structure, you avoid uh, whatever kinds of pests we, we get around here and, mm -hmm. and it's just designed for the environment. So. Yeah. And in New Mexico, we, we kind of have a longer growing season than most of the places that mm -hmm. grow cannabis too. So there's certain cultivars that, you know, have a longer season and it's a good cultivar. It's just, you can't grow it like say in Colorado because you know, it gets cold in like, you know, September, you know, and here, you know, mm -hmm. I'm chilling in shorts till like Christmas. And, you know, then it starts getting really cold. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, it's, it gives, you know, more opportunities. So, yeah, I have more opportunity to know what you're growing and how to grow it. Because it does make a big difference, you know, in your climate and the different cultivar. Because some don't like that much sun. Some don't um, need that much water. Some want more and more water. And I tell people this all the time when it comes to growing. Your grow is going to be as good as your genetics. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have good genetics, you're just going to have a bad time. You know, I've grown genetics that, you know, had hermaphrodited um, genetics within yeah. it. Hermie draw me the first time. So, I mean, I learned my lesson there. Um, yeah. Just don't do that. Don't trust genetics that you just aren't sure of. If your buddy gave you a bag, oh, I found this in my weed, bro. You want to grow it? Probably don't want to grow that. Don't you grow have, it outside because you're going to ruin pollinate all the oh, God, everything I know. around you for miles. Yeah, <laughs> guys, yeah let's talk about that real quick, um, <laughs> very fast. If you guys are going to grow outside, please be cautious of your males and hermaphrodites. Go on them. I'm, I'm going to have a grow show at some point. Um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about this and how to identify them and everything. But if you just get rid of them, it's going to make everybody's life better. Because if you don't, that shit can travel miles, <laughs> like yeah. very far. And we have a lot of wind here with little rain, so it goes even further. Uh, my dad, he got some seeded cannabis last year in his grow, and I think it was one of the neighbors down the street uh, had a male that didn't yeah. pull out in time, you know, because he didn't have any males. I checked. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, you know, you make there. Yeah. If you guys are going to do it, please give it a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it can be devastating, especially, but like you said, if you have a healthy plant, um, if you have plants that just 
aren't meant for this uh, environment, you growing to scale, like yeah. that's going to be a huge loss, yeah. right? So definitely, I mean, sense. no one wants seedy cannabis in that aspect unless you're a breeder. And when you're a breeder, you do it indoors. <laughs> you don't do it outdoors. <laughs> right? yeah. So, but anyway, guys, um, that's pretty much you know that the UNM cannabis research what they've you know what they're working on. I think it's really cool. UNM has been one of the leading colleges in the nation when it comes to cannabis research. So shout out to you guys, you know, from New Mexico. So you know, yeah. just up north in Albuquerque. Um, so that's really cool to see that you know we're getting that. Maybe they'll start testing it here in New Mexico. You know, maybe it will be the first test bed. That would you be know. really awesome. I, I would sign up for it. <laughs> so if you guys want to like check out that study, it's actually published in the Journal of Cannabis uh, Research. Uh, I don't know where to find it, but that's what the paper said uh, or the article said is where it's at. So I'm sure you guys can Google it and figure out where to find that. So it is published. So that's pretty cool to see that it's published. Um, it's probably going to have to be scrutinized and studied more. But um, yeah, that's it for that. And actually, that's it for this week's show. Haley, before we go, do you have anything for the nice people? No, I'm sure. I think Nicole plugged this when she was here last week, but the Southwest Cannabis Trade Association conventions on April 20th or 21st. Yes. Yeah. And one one of those I should know because I was going to plug it. But anyways, (laughs) um, I'll be presenting there and probably present on some employment issues since that's been coming up quite a bit. So um, I, I hope to see you all there and I'm hoping to give you all some good information. Yeah, definitely, guys. So, you know, if you want more information from Haley, uh, we'll try to get her socials and everything. You guys can hit her up on Instagram. Um, do you want to give your socials right now, too? or? Um, sure. You can find me, well, I guess on Instagram at, at Repeat Relay. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I post there occasionally and I, on Facebook. I don't know how you find me, but I'm under my name so on okay. there somewhere. But um, otherwise, you know, you can go to my firm's web- website, MMSLawPC.com, if you want to know more about what it is that I do. But, cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Haley, and thank you for joining me. Um, again, guys, you know, um, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Ask Chad Grassy Logic. This has been a good one. Um, a little long on the legislative side, but a lot happened. So um, join me again next week. We'll have a new guest, a new co-host, and some new topics. So that's it, and I'll see you guys next week.